was talking about the horse gate in, uh, in relation to Jerusalem's uh, walls, rebuilding the gates. I hope these uh, gates have helped you maybe take some inventory of your life and maybe get got to you to maybe to think a little bit about maybe establishing uh, some new things in your life or removing things out of your life. Uh, last week, I really I started talking about uh, spiritual warfare, and I really started uh, deviating, deviating into family life, uh, you know, our homes and so forth. So I really wasn't preaching my outline as such. I was just kind of going off on the things that I think that the Lord was putting on my mind about how to properly fight uh, spiritually in your home, because that's where the battle really is. Now, when you get to the specifics, you know where the battle really is, uh, other than in your home, is right here in your head. <laughs> Amen. It's, it's a mind battle. Uh, your battlefield is your mind. Uh, that's where you win or lose. If you, uh, by the way, nobody else controls your mind. It's you. Amen. And so if you want to win this thing, you're the one that's going to have to implement and rebuild the gate of the horse gate in your life. And so I want, to, I want you to take your Bible and go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I'm just going to take off a little bit from my last week's topic, but I, I'm, I've got a different outline for you today. And I didn't want to leave out on this because I think it's important. Because each one of us are, uh, uh, basically, we're soldiers in the battle. And when you got saved, whether you liked it or not, you got enlisted in God's army. You're either a good soldier or a bad one, (laughs) amen, but you are a soldier. And that's what we need to think about. So I want to talk about today some characteristics of good soldiers in God's army. Characteristics of good soldiers in God's army. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, it says... Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier." It's one of the hardest things I believe probably in the army is having soldiers who will focus themselves on the battle at hand instead of having half of their mind back home in the life. Amen. And so sometimes what you got to do is you got to say, you know, I need to focus on what God needs me to do right now. And that's very, can be a very difficult task with the bullets flying all around you. Amen. But I want to talk about this a little bit. The first thing I want to mention is a soldier depends upon his captain's strength and guidance on the battlefield. Uh, I, you know, sometimes I wonder, you have one general that's shouting out the orders and you got thousands of soldiers. And I think, wow, the, the faith that they have to have in that general's words, when he says, you take that flank or you go there, they have to really just say, you know what? He knows what he's talking about. Now, if they were given the, the uh, freedom to question every, every uh, order that's been given, uh, they, they would not be a very organized army. And that's the way we have to, as well, operate as, as God's children in God's army. We have to always make sure we're following Christ's commands. He is the captain. And that's why it brings, brings to my mind, again, the aspect of, of Jericho, when Joshua went to the wall, or, or scouting out the wall, and right in front of him came the captain of the host. Yeah. And in that interaction, uh, the first thing that Joshua says, are you for them or are you for us? 
And that's the way we operate sometimes, to say, okay, God, are you with us or are you with them? And we need to understand it's not about that. And his answer was very telling. He just basically said, nay. (laughs) What a good answer. That that wasn't answering the question in the way that Joshua was wanting it to be answered. He was saying, I want you to tell me, are you for me or are you for them? He says, it's not about me being for you or them. It's about you being for me. He says, nay, I am the captain. That's what he said. (laughs) And so that caused Joshua to think, okay, I'm not thinking right here. I'm trying to bring God into my battle when in all reality, I should be entering into Christ's battle. Amen. Amen. And that's what we do sometimes. We, We have our own battles. We expect Jesus to just come alongside and, and, and fight our battles for us when all reality, we're the ones that created the battle. <laughs> the Lord says, that's not my battle. Your, your, your question is, Lord, am I with you? <laughs> am I following your orders? And that's the first thing about a good soldier. They will follow the orders of their captain. Yes. What did he do next? He said, Joshua, take thy shoe off thy foot for the, land that the, the ground that thou standest on is hallowed or holy ground. Now, to me, that doesn't make sense. Why not both shoes? Why just one shoe? <laughs> you know, I understand sometimes there are certain cultures that you take off one shoe, which means a covenant and so forth and things like that. But you know what? I think it's even further than that. The Lord just says, take your shoe off. Sometimes you've got to be willing to just do something that doesn't make sense to you. But because God said it, you just need to do it. You understand? That's the first step in having a true captain in your life is not to question every order that the Lord brings into your life. You need simply to say, yes, Lord, if you want one shoe, you get one shoe. If you want both shoes, I'll give you both shoes. But he didn't want both shoes. He just wanted one. Now you say, well, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't really matter. (laughs) It really doesn't matter. He was testing his faith before the big test of surrounding Jericho seven times and walking around there and blowing the trumpets. And so we need to understand that if we're good soldiers, we got to depend upon the captain's strength and guidance. I like in Ephesians 6, verse 10, a good verse. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If you're looking for physical strength, you're looking for intellectual strength to carry you through, I'm sorry, those things wear out. They wear out. That is not going to get you through. You need the strength of God in your life. You need his grace to give you what you need to go forward. And you know, sometimes your body's just crying, I need to sleep. I need to go. I want to take a break. And the Lord just says, come to me and I'll give you strength. There's times I got behind the pulpit and says, Lord, I don't even know if I can do this today. I'm just so exhausted. Yet when I got up, his grace just filled my life. And I felt that, wow, you know, he really made a difference in, in that message today. But that's God. Amen. I was just following the commands. So I could have said, well, I'm just going to step back today because uh, I'm too tired. We're going to get Jamie to come up and preach a message to us. Amen. (laughs) And you know what? I wouldn't have been following the captain's orders. That's what we got to do, folks. We got to continue to follow what the Lord says. That's how you get strengthened. It's not going to be when everything's working out right. It's going to be when you're down and tired, when you're in the middle of the battlefield, when you feel you can't go another step, that's where the Lord meets you. That's where his grace is sufficient. Amen? Amen. And he proved that to Paul with the thorn in the flesh. (laughs) You know, Lord, take this thorn out of my flesh. 
boy, I could be just on fire for you. I could go do some great things. He says, no, sir, Paul, <laughs> this is what you have right now is going to make you the strongest soldier on the battlefield. But it didn't make physical sense. He thought, if I could just be healed, I could be a better soldier. God says, no, you can't. You're a better soldier when you rely upon my grace. Amen? Amen. And so our strength is in God's grace. Um, that's why in verse 1 it says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I'm going to move on quickly here. In Psalm 33, 16, it says, There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. And horse is a vain thing for safety, neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Amen? Yeah. It's not in the strength of what you see in your, your army. It's not in the horses. And I'll tell you something, warfare back then, horses made all the difference for people. When you had a, a lot of horses in your army, you thought, man, that's a powerful army. But you know what the Lord says? Those horses mean nothing for your victory. You could have no horses. And you know what? It's got to be me. And sometimes that's why the Lord does take away the horses. Remember Gideon. Gideon was out there. He had too many men. The Lord says, hey, we need to, we need to cut out some of these guys. Uh, went from, what, 30,000? To 300. Now I can get glory. <laughs> There's no way you guys can take credit for 300. And with 300 men, they defeated that army by just simply obeying what the Lord said. His strength. Boy, I tell you something, we need to be a good soldier. Our strength in the Lord brings confidence on the battlefield as well. When you believe in the leadership of your God, and when He tells you something, He says, This is what you ought to do. In your mind immediately what you say is, you know what, if he told me that, that is the absolutely best thing that I could do and the outcome is always going to be good. See, that's what the soldier has to believe. If he's doubting his, his uh, leadership, there's no way they're going to win that battle. You know, today they say that uh, enlistment in the Canadian Army is down more than it's ever been. You know why that is? They don't have faith in their leader. They don't know what kind of battle they'd be brought into. They don't know what kind of orders they'd be given. That's the kind of world we live in today. Where we're past these great military minds that knew how to win a battle. And now we're in politics. Our military is politics. Everything's politics. Our medical is politics. Everything in the world is politics. And I'll tell you something, it's, it's a crazy world that we live in. The G20 Summit, just this last week, they made, a, they made a commitment that they're going to bring the whole world under a digital ID and they're going to bring in a digital currency. That was their big deal that they came up with. Now, folks, we know that the Bible says the Antichrist is going to cause those that do not take the number of the beast that they cannot buy or sell. But can I encourage you a little bit? The rapture is happening before that. Amen. You won't be here. <laughs> Amen. So I look at this and I think, man, you guys are crazy. And this thing isn't going to work. I've got the outcome already figured out for you. But all I know is, hey, I'm glad I'm not going to be approached with that. We're going to be gone. But I tell you, three and a half years or so or a little more after we're gone, 
That's when they're going to come because that's when they'll have the freedom where God's people are no longer praying and there's no longer a uh, good and holy testimony to hold back the tide of evil in this world. That's when the Antichrist will take over and Satan worship will be uh, just so prominent above all the religions of the world. And that's when the number will come. But aren't you glad you're going to be raptured? Oh, I'll tell you, if you believe in a mid-trib rapture, you should be a miserable person. Really. I mean, I don't blame you if you're walking around with your bottom of your lips soaking, you know, scooping up dirt off the floor. <laughs> you should be, because if I believe in mid-trib rapture, I wouldn't be a happy person. There's nothing worse than, than looking forward to the Antichrist instead of the Christ. I'm looking forward to the Christ, amen? That brings a smile on my face. That brings a, a bounce on my step. That, that tells me, hey, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Amen? amen? Judgment has already come to us upon Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. No need for more judgment on God's people. Sure, there'll be persecution, but that's not judgment. That's persecution because you do right, amen? But judgment, there's no way God is going to pour his wrath upon you. That wrath has been completed on the body of the Lord Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And you'll never face it again. Wonderful. Amen. We've got such a hope. Our strength brings confidence. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Wow, Old Testament already talking about imputation. The righteousness is of me, he says. <laughs> no weapon that is formed against you by your enemies will prosper. You know, we got Christians that are running around fearing. They're fearing this, they're fearing that. It's because they're ignorant of the truth. They're ignorant of the captain's orders. And that's why they're scared to go forward in the midst of the battle. Because they don't quite trust that this is going to turn out okay. Can I tell you something? We've got the victory already. Amen. Let's just go forward. And sure, there's going to be some persecution. Sure, there'll be loss and suffering and so forth in your life. But that, the Bible says, is not to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in you when Jesus Christ comes again. Amen? I'll tell you, it's a wonderful thing to know Jesus Christ is coming. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 18, it says... Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall, my, shall my, be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? He thought there was a spy in the camp. How in the world would he know where we're camping? Why would the king of Israel know that? And why, how would he know to stay away from this area? Well, he didn't realize there was a prophet. <laughs> and God spoke to that prophet. <clears throat> he says, this is where they are. And so he transmitted that message to the king. And this is what it said. <clears throat> One of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. <laughs> he said, Everything you're saying in secret is being broadcast live, <laughs> live streamed. Amen. 
Wow. This got him a little riled up. And he said, go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him saying, behold, he's in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Oh, what a statement by this man of God. He was not rattled at all by that army. (laughs) That's the attitude of God's people. That's the attitude of a good soldier on the battlefield. Hey, don't worry about it. Just because they got a lot of people and horses, that doesn't mean they're going to win this war. Because, you know, ultimately we have more with us than they have with them. Now this servant didn't understand this, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they had come, came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Why wouldn't Elisha say, Kill them, God. Kill that army. He didn't do that. They were all wandering around blind. <laughs> then who goes to them? Elisha. Says, here, I need, I'll, I'll tell you where you need to go. <laughs> he leads them back home. <laughs> leads them back home. He didn't kill them. He said, these people are blind. They don't see the truth. He didn't want them to die. He wasn't angry. He wasn't bitter. He says, you know what? A child of God that has the resources that we have, there ought never to be a thought in our heart of, a, of vengeance and anger and bitterness because you know what? You will win every battle of life if you will trust your captain. There is no doubt about it. Think about that for a second. Like I said, here we are tonight. Everybody's in church. Uh, how many of you have been defeated and it's over? It's not over for you. You know that. You've gone through hard times. You've gone through valleys. You've hurt deeply. But guess where you are? You're on the other side, on the other mountaintop. (laughs) That's the heritage of God's servants. You will never be taken down. Do you understand that? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If you'll just trust the words of your captain. Do what he's asked you to do. And you'll be safe. You'll be under his mighty wings. You'll be in his high tower. He'll be your shield. And like he said to Abraham, the great and exceeding reward. That's what I'll be to you. Amen. Boy, we need some faith today, don't we? The soldier's trust is evidenced in his actions on the battlefield. Your actions. What you do in the battle shows us what you trust. That's what we have to be careful of. It says here in verse number two of our text, it says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You know, we'll be busy committing the faith that we have to others. That's the evidence. The evidence of you trusting your captain is you going to other soldiers and saying, you need to start trusting your captain. And start committing to them. The word commit means to firmly adhere to duty. And true fidelity. A true to allegiance. As a faithful subject. That's what you're supposed to be. And so what you need to do. 
not, not put doubts in people's mind, not pull them out of church and say, you know, most of the time we do that is because we're not faithful and we don't want them to be more faithful than we are. So almost subconsciously, we put them in situations sometimes to pull them away so that we're almost the same. No, sir. <laughs> so you'll never have that problem if you are making yourself faithful before the Lord. You'll always say, guess what? I want you to be more faithful than I am. If there's some area of my life I'm not faithful, I want you to be faithful in it. Because this is not about me. This is about the battle we're in, and this is about our captain. Commit thou. Bring them to allegiance with Christ. Amen? Oh, I tell you, there's going to be Christians meeting God one day, and he's going to look them in the eye and say, why did you hurt my church? Why did you work against the things of God? You were supposed to commit to faithful men. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to be in that lineup. <laughs> this is the lineup for all those that tried hurting the church of God. Oh my goodness, you better make a commitment tonight. You will never be in that lineup. Be in the faithful line. Amen. Be in the one that you yourself become faithful to everything that God has showed your life. And then you also commit to others and teach them how to be truly uh, faithful and to pledge allegiance to their captain with their whole life. Not this half-hearted Christianity we have today. Oh, that's good enough. You're doing pretty good. No, sir. You may be doing pretty good, but I'll tell you something. You can always do better. Yeah. Amen. Always do better. Keep on moving forward. Don't hit that comfortable time. Well, I'm just happy where I am. My goodness, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Everybody that you spend time with, you're going to subconsciously bring them down to your level. Because you don't want their spirituality to expose your carnality. And if they don't, if they keep growing, you're going to divide yourself from them. And you look for another person that's willing to stay in the complacency of where you're at. Amen? No, no, I don't want to be in that group. Can you imagine having those kind of people in, in a, on the battlefield with you? You know who I want? I want faithful men. <laughs> that I know if I'm going to run in there, they'll be right behind me, watching my back. Not with a knife. <laughs> no, sir. That's not a faithful Christian. But someone that is willing to protect you. Someone that's willing to stand with you. Amen? That's the kind of Christians we ought to be. And so, a faithful soldier knows his captain's commands. I like in these verses here in Psalm 119, verse 133. It says, Order my steps in thy word. And let not any iniquity have dominion over me. What's iniquity? Iniquity has a meaning of it of self-will. It means that don't let anything that I desire personally overpower anything you ask me to do. Yeah. See, self-will is a terrible thing. The Bible says iniquity is as idolatry. Idolatry. Stubbornness. That's iniquity. That's self-will. Amen. That's one thing we need to understand. When Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, not my will be done, but let thy will be done. There is no self-will. You have no self-will. A good soldier does not have a self-will. There's nothing that I'm going to want for myself in this battle. I want what the captain wants. And it's only then, as we work together with his commands, that we truly will make a difference and we'll, we'll get, break through some lines here. Amen? Yeah. 
Psalm 119, verse 70, let my supplication come before thee. Deliver me according to thy word. Ephesians 5, 17, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Amen. Do you want to know the will of the Lord? Have you given yourself to knowing that? Have you sought the scriptures? And as you read your Bible reading every day, do you say, is there something here that is God's will for me to do? And underline that and say, I need to do this. I need to follow this. You know, that's, that's seeking the will of God for your life. That's so vital. And that's just generally. And it's only as we seek that general will for our life that he will open up doors of specific service for us. But some of us want to run headlong into the specific. When we've never really listened to the captain. We've never really given ourselves to be faithful to the words of our God. And yet we want to know all the specifics of what God wants from my life. You'll never know it until you can get that general will settled in your life. Yeah. If you're not going to the Bible and seeking God's will for your life, or generally through his commands and through his principles, why would he open up a specific door for you? You'll never know whether it's specific. You'll marry somebody and never know whether that's really the right one, because I've never sought the Lord. But I'll tell you something, when you say I do, <laughs> that's basically done. Now it has become the will of God <laughs> with all the baggage and everything. <laughs> Amen. Be careful. That's why I say first put the general word of God first, the general will of God first. Seek him and let him guide you that way. And then he will open up those specific doors for your life, whatever they may be in whatever aspect they may be in. Amen. But we, we've lived in the world so long, we think it's just a matter of bumping into somebody on the street. Oh, I like you. <laughs> no, sir. Got to be right with God. Seeking the Lord. Amen? We know our verse of the year is, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God. That means that you're not going to know the perfect will of God until you actually prove and test it. Now, can we actually say, I've tested God's will for my life? I've gone to the scripture and I've found that what I'm doing is exactly according to the captain's orders. Amen? That's what it means. The Bible says in Colossians 2.8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. So people will come alongside and say, Hey, you know, this is what we've always believed. Well, that's a philosophy. Philosophies in themselves have no power. If that philosophy isn't built upon God's word, that's a false philosophy. But they have, they have a lot of power in our lives, especially in our families. Things passed down from grandma and grandpa. You know, we know all about that. And we say, oh, this is our philosophy. This is the way we've always lived for. And it's those things that are spoiling our lives. Spoil means to take away the riches, take away the goodness, take away the things that God wants to do in your life. Spoil you through these philosophies that are being handed down and, and you're accepting without comparing them to the word of God. But then it talks about vain deceit. That means just profitless, empty lies. <laughs> and traditions. Well, you can't expect me to turn my back on traditions. Well, the Lord does. He expects you to do that. He says, if that's your captain, you follow that captain. <laughs> but my captain will challenge every one of your traditions. I'm not saying that some traditions are wrong. I mean, keep the ones you can, <laughs> you know. 
But if they take you against scripture, those traditions, even Jesus said to the Pharisees, your traditions have made void the word of God. You are no longer hearing the voice of the captain because of that which has been passed down to you. Amen? I know grandma and grandpa get mad at you. Great grandpa, whoever it is. They won't like that you're making decisions that go against tradition. (laughs) But you know what? When you're a soldier in Christ's army, it doesn't matter what other people think. You know that the, the, the death toll can be high. The casualties outweigh my need to pacify your little need in your life. I'm going to burn that tradition down and I'm going to listen to my captain. That's what a true soldier is. Not someone that is kept to those traditions in a way where it makes void the word of God. Amen? So I'm not against traditions as such, but traditions that take you away from scripture, that's from hell, man. (laughs) That's from hell itself. They sound so good, it's still from hell. You know, it's like an excuse, you know, it's a skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. Tradition as well. It's just a skin of an idea that's stuffed with death. You got to be careful. It looks good on the outside. Faithful soldier is accountable to the captain's judgment. It's interesting. You see these soldiers lining up sometimes, and their general comes through with their captain, and they do that inspection. Man, these guys are just, you know, they don't dare to look one centimeter off center. They are just so rigid at that point because they understand that they have submitted themselves unto the judgment of their captain. They're not running. They're not saying, what right do you have to judge me? Or judge not, lest you be judged. They realize there's a judgment. And there is a judgment for how we perform on that battlefield. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1, it says, Let a man so account of us, as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So they'll look at the shoes of these soldiers. And you understand, they're not wearing those shoes into the battlefield. They're putting on their boots. But they say, when you present yourself before me, you get your shoes shined. Those guys will spend hours spit shining, scrubbing, Until those shoes, they can see their own reflection off of them. No scuffs. Amen. And that captain, he can see it. He looks down at those shoes if he can see his face. That's what the Lord says, take thy shoe off. (laughs) I'm going to check you. How you shine that thing, Joshua? (laughs) The Apostle Paul says, But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you. Or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. Now, I understand the Bible says, judge thyself lest you be judged. So he's not talking about you not exercising self-judgment on yourself. In fact, it's self-judgment that prepares you for the judgment seat. He's given you a privilege in this dispensation to actually judge yourself. That's something that couldn't have been done before. And the reason why it couldn't have been done because you didn't have the Holy Spirit of God. But now we got the Spirit of God. we got the light of God in us. He says, you take a good look on yourself and you make sure you're, you're, you're where you ought to be because I'm going to meet you one day and we're going to be looking eye to eye. So he's given us every possible way to pass that judgment and get the rewards that were, were determined for us. 
I've given you the ability to judge yourself. But what he's saying here, he's saying, ultimately, the what you judge about me means nothing to me. And in fact, even in my own judgment, it means nothing. The only self-judgment that works in my life is I'm basing my criteria upon the captain's orders. Amen? He says, I don't even judge myself. I have no criteria of myself to judge myself. A lot of people do today. Well, I just believe if we do like this and like that, you're setting up the criteria for your judgment. So you do judge yourself. But the Lord says, or Paul says, no, no, no. I have no criteria of myself for my judgment. It's all about Christ's criteria. You do a study into that one day, the judgment seat of Christ and the criteria of what he's going to judge your life with. It's not just going to be helping someone across the street. It's all going to be based in self-sacrifice. Love is at the, at, the, at the basis of every crown he's going to give to his people. The self-sacrificial love for others. Whether that be soul winning, whether that be enduring trials. Many times people give up on, on the trials they go through because they love themselves more than they love other people. Jesus, when he got that cross on his back, he could have called 10, 12 legions of angels. Yet he went all the way to the end. See, that's the example the Lord gave us. He says, if you will endure trials till the end, he says, I'll give you the crown of life. But that's based in self-sacrifice for the sake of others. Amen? So it goes on to say here, for I know nothing by myself, and there's a criteria. I know nothing by myself. I don't have any criteria of my own making here. (laughs) Yet I am not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Yeah. And otherwise he's saying, just because I don't have a criteria for myself doesn't mean I'm not going to be judged. That's not justified to say that, hey, God's just going to you know, wink at us and we'll be okay. No, sir. He says, I'm not justified in that. And he goes on to say, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come who will bring Uh, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. Only then. Then God will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. After he's revealed the counsels of your heart. So one thing you cannot do is judge the motivation of another soldier as to why he is or is not there. But you can say, you should be there. And you should be faithful in doing what you're supposed to do. Well, they say, well, the Lord knows my heart. Well, sure he does. But the state of your heart is evidence in your actions. Yeah. So that, that's an awesome statement to say the Lord knows my heart. <laughs> Amen. Sure he does. And he's with, he's held back his judgment for a time when he's going to come again. And then he's going to look into your heart and say, now I'll show you why you've been doing what you're doing. He's the only one that can do that. No man can do that. I've had people try to do that with me. This is why you do that. I said, you don't have a clue why I do what I do. 
And nor do I try to judge someone else here as to why they do what they do. I could venture to guess maybe after they've gone through something, but still, uh, many times I've counseled and I thought, oh, yeah, I think I know what's going to go on here. And, and the Lord just went and whew, it took a totally, oh, I didn't expect that. Because you just don't know a person's heart. Amen. But I do know the actions. I do know the actions. So do you. And as a church, that's how we, that's how we operate. By the evidence on the battlefield. By the evidence of how we present ourselves. By the shining of the shoes. <laughs> Amen. I'm not saying you don't come with clean shoes. We're somehow going to judge you. But you know, to be able to present yourself in a way where you shine. That's an evidence. You see, it's important we understand this stuff. We all have an individual responsibility to our captain to follow his commands, to watch over those things that he has given us charge over. When others stray from the truth, we should stay faithful to our captain's orders, knowing we are accountable to his judgment alone. You know, sometimes I wonder, you know, people leave church sometimes and all of a sudden their whole life goes in a different direction. They never drank before, now they're drinking. Never smoked before, or maybe they smoked when they're lost, now they're smoking again. Or they're hanging around people or going to bars or something. I'm saying, <laughs> why, why did you live right in the first place? See, that's what the Lord is going to reveal. See, it doesn't matter what you do to me. <laughs> Hopefully, when it comes down to it, I will always just hold to the captain's orders. And we'll just continue on. It'll always reveal itself, folks. You understand that. And I'm still learning that too. But your faithfulness, and your standing by the truth of the word of God, and you know what? They may be throwing all kinds of things at you, but it doesn't really matter because ultimately, who is going to be standing at the end? Those that are under the wings of the Almighty. Stay under the wings. That's all. Stay under the wings. 1 Peter 1, 6, it says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. Do you feel that sometimes? Getting hit from the left and the right and from the top and the back, and you say, man, when is this going to stop? I was telling my family, I hope next summer I don't have to have a surgery. You know, It's been two years now, and I've had to go through a surgery each summer, and every summer I'm looking forward, this is going to be a great summer. I'm going to have a lot of fun with the people of God, inviting them over. We're just going to have a good old time. The Lord says, no, you're going to be in the hospital. Well, what good is that? <laughs> he says, well, you just follow my orders. It's not about your plan. You understand that? So next year, be prepared. I may be sitting in another surgery. I don't know. We'll see. The soldier suffers but does not retreat from the battlefield. Verse 3, it says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That means undergo hardships, afflictions, and troubles. <laughs> you know, the Bible says those that uh, have the word sown on stony ground, or I think it's stony ground, that when, when tribulation or troubles arise, they immediately back up and say, I'm done. But first it says, Amen, preacher. Amen. I love church. I just want to be here every Sunday. Until there's trouble. Also, where are they? That seed was not very deep. You want to be a good soldier, you better endure some things. Yeah. Yeah. You may have people from this church hurting you. And you know what you ought to do? 
Keep being faithful. Because if you stay under the mighty wings of the Almighty God, ultimately at the end, it'll all be, it'll all be taken care of. You understand that? Undergo hardships. 1 Peter 2.19, it says, For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it, if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? In other words, there's times when you've done something wrong, and the Lord gives you a good whooping. Say, well, you know, I better, better just take this, because I deserve it. He says, what glory is that? There's no glory in that. (laughs) But then he goes on to say, where was I? Ye shall take it patiently, but if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. That means if you suffer because you just want to do right, and you have to endure some hardship because of doing right, God says, that's acceptable to me. I accept that. To him, that's a sweet-smelling savor in his nostrils. <laughs> He's saying, let me smell that a little bit. He says, it smells a lot like my son. It smells a lot like what I smelled that day when he was walking down that road with that cross on his back, when they nailed those nails into his hand. He says, when you start mimicking what my Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ has done, your captain... I accept that. Amen. You know, that's when people hightail it. That's when they quit on God. Oh, well, if that's what the people of God are, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah, a whole bunch of them. And the Lord says he, he, he despises them more than anything. He said, I'd rather that you're hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. He vomits out lukewarm Christians. Yeah. Amen. People that don't want to commit to him. I tell that to people when they talk about Christians being hypocrites. I says, well, if you think you've got a problem with them, let me tell you how Jesus thinks of them. Yeah. Oh, really? Absolutely. Now the question is, are you a hypocrite? <laughs> Which they usually are, <laughs> putting on a mask. Amen? It's God's will for us to suffer sometimes. We need to settle that within our hearts and realize Christ always has a purpose and a plan of deliverance. He's never going to leave you on the battlefield to get taken prisoner, to be brought into the prison camp, to be tortured by the enemy. No, sir. He will always deliver you from that battle. What a great thing that is. Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Lord wants me to do this. Do you understand? If you do that, you can lose some friends. Man, I sure delight in the Lord's way. I guess I'll have to lose those friends. I delight more in the Lord than those friends. That's really the problem. Put the Lord first in your life. Some of these decisions will become very easy. (laughs) Amen. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. You're going to fall. It's, it's going to hurt sometimes. You know what the Lord's going to do? He's going to come and just pick you up. Say, well done. Well done. He understands your frame. He understands the hurt. You know, just don't give up. Don't compromise. Get back up and say, Lord, give me my next order. I'm ready to go. Amen? Oh, let's see what else I got here. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. We're done. 
But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So I don't see much coming out of this. You know what? Just keep on going. Sometimes you don't see that. And you know what? You may not see it in this lifetime. But one day when you see Christ and he's going to show you this is what happened, you can say, oh, I'm so glad I didn't quit on you, God. I'm so glad I made it to the finish line. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. To be steadfast, to be constant, firm, resolute, not fickle, not wavering, not back and forth. Well, you know, (laughs) nail it down and do it. Be faithful in the things of God. Nail it down and do it. Oh, you talk to your friend. Oh, that's a little too far. Yeah, I know, maybe. <laughs> Doesn't matter who. Your, your mom and dad come to you. Your, your grandma and grandpa come to you. Your best friend comes to you. And they say, hey, that's just going a little too far. And that's just being a little bit too of a fanatic for Christ. You just say, I'm not listening to you. Because at the end, you're not the one inspecting my shoes. Yeah. My captain will. And I'm going to keep on shining these things. Spit shine. <laughs> so that when Jesus Christ comes for that inspection, he's going to look and say, Whoa, I see myself in there. Yeah. Well done, the good and faithful servant. Amen. Let's bow our heads. No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Do you believe that God has chosen you? See, you've not chosen. He's chosen you. You didn't choose him. He chose you for the battle. So you're enlisted. Are you willing to get on his side about that? And allow him to do that work and commit yourself to be faithful, steadfast, Are you willing to suffer a little bit and maybe put up some hardships? Christian, this is spiritual warfare. If we don't become like this, then how are we going to win this world to Christ?